Coming up on Telling the Odds, we turn a rumour about Kenobi into a full-length discussion, as well as Bosk appearing in the Book of Boba Fett, and more details coming from Tamira Morrison himself. And finally, a mid-season review of Star Wars The Bad Batch. What time is it, 3PO? It is time for Telling the Odds. Hello, everybody. Yes, we are alive. <laughs> no, we uh, returned. Yes, welcome back, everyone, uh, to Telling the Odds. We have been on hiatus for a little while mm. because Michael and I, uh, unfortunately, we would love to just be talking about Star Wars 24-7, yeah. but uh, the world doesn't see it like that. The world takes our time outside of this, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we are back now. We're very excited to talk back. because there's a bunch of stuff to talk about that uh, yeah. has sort of occurred during our hiatus. Uh, but we all hope you're doing well, and uh, you're all hoping to, you're you know, doing well in the world, given Everyone's our, doing, given yeah. the um, unpredictable climate that, you know, the world has been in for God knows how it long do now. We're doing lots of things right now, so hopefully we can take your attention away from some Star Wars for a bit. Exactly. Wherever you're listening from, I uh, hope you're doing well, and mm. uh, we're about to give you an hour or so's worth of time to just unwind. Shout out to any moisture farmers on Tatooine who are listening in to us. Yes. It'd be kind of fun if we just started doing this thing where we'd just be like, coming to you live from a different place every week. Like, yeah. okay, so this week we'd go, yeah, <laughs> uh, coming to you live from a moisture farm on Tatooine, and the next time we'd go... Yeah. Coming to you live from a five-star tower on Coruscant Almost or something. Almost definitely. Yeah. 100%, unless we forget about it. Yeah, that's, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to catch on. Wink, wink. Yes. Uh, yes, Michael, lots to talk about. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we've... You know, you already mentioned that the first thing is obviously just going to be a, a small thing that will turn into a major discussion, which yeah, we'll get yeah. into shortly. Uh, yeah. Um, anything you wanted to say before we get started? Uh, no, but I feel like... Yeah, I feel like let's just jump right into it. We've got the news to talk about. We've got we to gotta get into it. We've got stuff to cover that we've been missing. Sure. Okay, great. Uh, well, um, again, this is just a, uh, a series of rumours and a report that was... Uh, so take you know, it 100% seriously. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a, a, a veiled report from Lucasfilm that can be taken with a grain of salt, but it's our specialty here to take something that is only very, you know, uh, you know minutely discussed by the Star Wars yeah. uh, media public and turn it into a full-fledged conversation that we can't shut up about. Frankly, and that, it's the only thing we at least know somehow to do. Exactly. And that subject is rega- is in regards to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and the fact that apparently the show will feature Darth Vader sending out Inquisitors to hunt down Obi-Wan Kenobi, which it would... What? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that wasn't expected yeah. at all. Um, you know, it would, it, it would uh, you know, support the fact that Ewan McGregor has already stated that he's doing, he's been doing sword training, mm. uh, which... Uh, you can, you know, it's Star Wars. You can imply that that would be um, uh, lightsaber fights. It's either lightsaber fights or like some elaborate fight with a Tuscan Raider and a Gaffy yeah, stick or something. Maybe he's got like a little sword. He's got a little little weapon, like a yeah, exactly. Maybe a Gaffy stick or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, because you know he wouldn't want to reveal uh, his identity. Yeah. Does he actually wield a uh, a uh, lightsaber on? Oh, he does when he takes out Ponda Barba. I'm talking about like on Tatooine. Does he, he does. Actually use yes. It? Well, that's the thing is that in this time he's he has two lightsabers. He has his own and he has Anakin's. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So it'd be kind of cool if at one point we got like a double wielding Kenobi. That'd be kind of cool. Does he also have mauls as well? Oh, that's probably well, said earlier, wouldn't it? Be? Yeah. Well, that would be set towards the end of uh, of this 19 year era that we're going to yep. get because it's set 10 years after. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, after Revenge of the Sith specifically. Um, be, so you know, cool I, if we saw malls just as like a small reference like, it, near the end. It would be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you know. Um, I mean, ideally, we'd see that scene again, but like probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, yes, we're probably going to get some Inquisitor in the, in the show, but that was. Um, 
uh, almost to be expected. Mm. Uh, as, to, as far as who's going to be playing these Inquisitors, again, all we have to go off of is the fact that Moses Ingram, the actress from The Queen's Gambit, yep. uh, took to Instagram upon the fact that she, her, her casting was announced and said, I play with lightsabers with like a winky face at yeah. the end. So that can be taken with a grain of salt. But since we're Star Wars fans, we take everything seriously. I say it's about a 2% chance that that is definitely a confirmation that she plays with lightsabers in the show. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know. uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's very exciting. And it makes sense because you haven't really thought about it this way mm. but obviously Darth Vader knows that Obi-Wan's alive because yes. uh, so he would so <laughs> where would Obi-Wan be well he could be with my only relatives yeah mm. um, well yeah, I mean look it's uh, <laughs> let's just go back to this it's you know it makes sense because Vader wouldn't think he'd go to a place so so obvious <laughs> The further, the closer you are to the engine, the further you are from home. Oh, that's a Lord of the Rings reference uh, for those of you Pippin fans out there. Yes. Um, but also it makes sense because Darth Vader would never go back to a place that Anakin Skywalker called his home. Oh, and he, also, I just realised the ultimate defence. It's a fully sandy planet. It's covered Anakin in sand. Anakin would never go there. Um, and you know what else is that it depends on whether or not you watch the transition on the theatrical cut or yep. the special edition of Star Wars. But if you look at where Obi-Wan's hut is, mm. it's on... A, it's on the top of like a very large, uh, you know, rock dune. Formation. It's a, yeah, a yeah. very large rock formation. So Obi-Wan has literally found high ground on <laughs> on, a, on a sand planet. All right? He is undefeatable he li- there. He, li- he lives in an Anakin-proof house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he specifically like seeks out these like niche things that like Anakin's I know. a weakness. So Anakin, Darth Vader probably knew about him like immediately and like yeah. went there and just realized all this and was like, so, no, 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 can't do it. I can't, so just, I can't climb this mountain. And so just waits for him to leave Tatooine and then the first <laughs> chance he gets when he sees him on the Death Star, finally my time is What gone. I want to see is like the, the, the Tatooine real estate agent yeah. uh, where when Obi-Wan was looking for a house that was like, he was his worst client because he wouldn't take any... any uh, like, oh, well, this one's actually quite lower on ground so the temperature is a bit better. No, no, like, no I just can't take as it. As close yeah. to the sun as I can get. Uh, like, okay, so Tatooine's well known for its sand dunes but we were able to like keep this one further away so that it wouldn't be as like affecting in terms of like maintenance and cleaning well yeah. I actually would like as much sand as possible as much sand as possible exactly yeah. uh, you know what this is a completely this is completely derailing from the, the <laughs> thing but I saw a funny thing scrolling through Facebook the other day that said uh, like you know it was one of those things where it's like girls boys right mm. and the girls thing said uh, boys have never experienced true heartache yeah. and then uh, just in front of just, and then <laughs> just like no and then just after the boys semicolon yeah. it's a picture from a legends fact about okay. Obi-Wan yeah. that said for the first few years uh, during his exile on Tatooine Obi-Wan would visit the grave of Shmi Skywalker to apologize for losing her son to the dark side. Uh, so that's our version of, uh, of, of, of heartache. Because that is a true statement according to uh, legend. So whether or not they're going to keep that in, uh, yeah. it, it, it's up for debate. There's no reason why it did, wouldn't be kept in because that would make sense. I, did actually, I don't think everyone ever met Shmi. No, she, no he didn't. Yeah, he never, he never left the ship. Well, yeah, exactly. He never left the ship. Or he never at least went into town. Maybe Obi-Wan doesn't like sand. <laughs> Well, oh. he spent 19 years on a sand-covered planet, so I think he had to learn to like than, sand. He was longer than, the, than Anakin was. Uh, that is that true. Is totally, yeah. That is actually very true. Yeah. Uh, I was actually just thinking about the, the, about the, the other day, because uh, we're both uh, 20 years old, but, you yes. know... Uh, to think that, you know, you think 19 years, oh, it's not that long, yeah. but at the same time, think of it like this, you know, Obi-Wan was on that planet doing nothing for as long as we've been alive. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a pretty long time. Exactly. Um, 
And I'm just really looking forward to everything that we're going to get in the show. When he uh, was on there, the, the computers and the internet was like brand new. And now he comes out and they have like VR and things. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, so again, uh, this idea that he's going to be facing off against Inquisitors is an exciting thing. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, bring it way back around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Inquisitors, yes. What are the t- I mean, he's not part of the cast, but if we got someone like, you know, uh, Jason Isaacs back as the Grand Inquisitor, that would be kind of yeah. cool. But he's not in the cast list, so. Like... I I hesitate to bring back characters who you know can't die, especially when we've true. already got one with Obi Wan. That's true. I could not think of a a like a like a less tense fight than a fight between Obi Wan and the Grand Inquisitor at like the start. We we're like, okay, so the outcome, the only possible outcome, is that they fight and both of them walk away from this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like. Um, I, I mean, look, it's kind of like, you know, episodes three, episode three kind of has that same thing yeah. because, you know, mm. Obi-Wan and Anakin can't die and Palpatine and Yoda can't die. Although we did know that... Hey, they're still awesome fights. Yeah, I, we do know that yeah, the Yoda and Palpatine one, I guess, but like the Anakin one, we know at some point he's going to have to turn into Darth Vader. So yes. like Anakin is, we knew that like he's going to take a hit here. Yeah. But like, he yeah. didn't just get trapped in his weeb suit for nothing. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so in that sense... We <laughs> we know of at least nine because we have the ninth sister, I think. Yes. Um, but we've only seen four, I think, and that, that depends true. on whether you count the Grand Inquisitor as being like number one or not. Yeah. Well, look, I only mentioned him because of the fact that Jason Isaac yeah. has, has said oh. in the past that he'd love to play that oh, yeah. same character I think in live action. Exactly. But at the same time, I really want to see new characters. Yeah, that would be a good casting. I want. Yeah, he would be a good casting for that. Hmm. We should suggest him as casting. I, yeah, I know that was. Uh, oh God. Our really one of our one of our earliest uh, uh, gaffes in our in our first few episodes. <laughs> Not realizing that Jason Isaacs, in fact, voiced him as well. Was, yeah, when we, we were like, oh, good fan casting for the Inquisitor. How fun would it be if Jason Isaacs played him? Oh, God. Um, I, I can't listen to those episodes anymore because of how idiotic we would sound. <laughs> oh, it's good. But yes, I, I personally think a great opportunity to see some of the other Inquisitors, the ones we hadn't seen before. Because we've already seen like the big guy who's really big, the, the one who's the same species as Luminar and Dooley. And the, auto-tuned, the, auto, the auto-tuned voiced Inquisitor. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one with the helmet that we never see who like goes on the little spinny thing that breaks and falls to his death. Yeah. So those are the ones and the Inquisitor, the Inquisitor from uh, oh, yeah, um, that's true. Fallen Order. Fallen Order, there's yes. one as well. So that leaves five or so, I think. Or And so, yeah, pretty much any. Yeah. We could see any the of those. The first Inquisitors. iteration of Inquisitors because... That's, it, true. It, that's true. They were generally higher numbers. So... Yes, exactly. Because the early obviously the Inquisitors... Dispatched by... Because we, right, we also know almost definitely that Maul has killed one. Because on uh, Mal- Malachor? Malachor. Malachor. Yep. Um, he has he's a He's been there for years and he has a light... Well, we don't know how long he's been there for, but presumably a yeah. bit. Um, and he has the remains of a... Uh, Inquisitor lightsaber that he uses as a cane, and, and we know that a future, a past Inquisitor has also gone up against Ahsoka because that's where she got her white lightsabers. Right, so yes. that takes out probably two or so, but yeah, yeah. Leave, leaving about you know two or three for yeah. Kenobi to take Which care of. I think like literally anything. I, again, we could see someone we already know, but I think that would be a great opportunity to bring more Inquisitors yeah. into the into the because based on the, the cast, I, I really want to see either Moses Ingram or Robert Fiend, uh, um, uh, Rupert Fiend, sorry, yeah. uh, show up as Inquisitors. I mean, um, my favorite are always like alien inquisitors, um, so I I yeah. would like one of them. But uh, or Kamal Nanjani as the as the inquisitor, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that's that story, guys. Do you always get comedians to play aliens. Is that the only like all the people that don't show that, their faces. You know, so honestly, I can re- I can imagine Kamal Nanjani as a kind of. Um, uh, Unkar Plot type of character in, in Kenobi. Um, but at the same time, I would like... Lo- <laughs> Imagine Unkar Plot 
um, species inquisitor. <laughs> quarter portion. I'll cut you into twelve quarter portion. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Why not? Bring Simon back. Bring Simon Peg back as uh, as Uncle Plot. That's his backstory. Uncle Plot used to be an inquisitor, but he left that life of scientist to be a out. junk trader on uh, Jakku. Yeah. So I think we've sufficiently stretched out this topic. I think so too. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Hey, guess what, guys? Bosk is probably going to be in the Boba Fett show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yes, this was very exciting for you, Michael, because I know how much you love Bosk. I mean, I, I love all the bounty hunters, but especially Bosk. Bosk was like, in his scene in Empire Strikes Back, like, again, they do nothing in that movie except Boba Fett, who frankly doesn't even do much in that movie. But yeah. like, so cool, like intimidating, hilarious how he has like a used Doctor Who outfit. In That's the best part one. of that movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is which is funny. But like his his oh, his yeah. look as a, like a Trandoshan is so like cool that like Trandoshans have become one of the major species in the in the, like the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, and then he appears in Clone Wars and is like one of the one of the most interesting like villains in with the Boba Fett par- characters. Like, yes, how he like looks after Boba Fett. Have but we he's, like, have we seen Trandoshans in live action? Yes. Um, not much, but they... Actually, actually, he was not the first Trandoshan, I don't think. There's a Trandoshan in uh, Mos Eisley, in the Cantina. It's a very different one. Really? Yeah, there is. Um, in, in, in the first Star in Wars? In the first Star Wars. Like a different colour. I'll get a picture of it. Really? Okay, yeah. cool. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? Um, there are also Trandoshans when they are uh, in the second episode of... Uh, the second, the second, sorry, the second episode of the first season of The Mandalorian, because there is a, yes. gr- there's a pair of Trandoshans that like uh, ambush them in that little cavern uh, when they try to uh, first kill, uh, when they first try to kill the child. But anyway, yes, I love Bosk too because he's really, really cool despite not being in a lot of uh, Clone Wars. Because I'm pretty sure Dee Bradley Baker voiced him for a couple of episodes Wait, in what? the Clone Wars. I would, I, I'm really, really excited if we get to see him back because let's say just for sake of argument that the Boba Fett show is taking place, uh, you know post-Mandalorian Season 2 after we see him take the throne for Bib Fortuna. It would make sense that once he's got a little bit more authority back, he would try to surround himself with um, allies. Mm. Because, okay, let's take, you know, who was he with? Who was was he with in Clone Wars? He was with Bosk. Orsing, who is dead, because <laughs> yeah. Tobias Beckett killed her. Um, and the, the guy that, that, uh, Bosk, that Orsing shoots. Castus. Castus, yeah. yeah. Is, that the rest of, is that the whole crew? There's not, uh, that's it, isn't it? I mean, he works with a couple of other bounty hunters. Hondo? Hondo? Does he work? Imagine if we got to see Hondo oh, in Boba Fett. That would be so cool. That, that would actually be a good opportunity to see him. Um, also, technically, when he works with, like, um, Honestly, on the train heist, he, uh, he works with Dengar... And he works Dengar, with yes. um, uh, High Singer, which is the robot. High Singer, and he works with uh, Sarge Ventress, although I yeah. doubt they're friends at that point. And uh, Lut Sarasi, who's that purple alien with yes. like the yeah, they'd be all right with like it. with like the rattlesnake thing that I she think, uses. The, yeah, yeah, I think Dengar would uh, would probably be the second most person I would like to see. Yeah, it's weird because like, awesome. Boba Fett like clearly has like met them again because they were in all in Empire Strikes Back, but they weren't working together in that. They were all working independently. No, the only ones who were working together were Fallom and Suckers. Yeah, you only you can you can assume that uh, you know there's not a lot of detail about how the bounty hunters ran mm. back then, but if you could assume that it was a similar uh, sort of bounty hunters guild yeah. type type thing like we see in the Mandalorian, yeah. like they were all sort of like aware of each other. They yeah. were all sort of like hired out by the bounty hunters guild or and whatever. The, and they have the backstory with Bosk and exactly. So they know of each other, but they're bounty hunters, so they work alone. One of my favorite details though is the fact that um, it's like later um, built on in canon and legends or whatever but you can just it's enough evidence in the film that you can get it that uh that uh, IG-88 is in the scrap heap in Cloud City, if you look there. And so Boba Fett, like, destroys him when, like, IG-88 tries to steal his bounty. I love that, that like, mini detail. It makes, it, makes, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah, it makes sense. He w- it makes sense he would do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and that's just, you know, that, that, 
speaks to how awesome Boba Fett is as a character. Mm. But uh, speaking of Boba Fett and a little bit more specifically uh, the show, not yep. just in regards to whether or not Bosk will show up, yep. uh, Tamara Morrison has offered up a little bit more detail as to what the show might include. Not very specific, but at least something that we can uh, do what we do best and uh, create like a rather lengthy discussion about it. Extrapolate. Exactly. Extrapolate could be like just the... the Discombobulate. The... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Extrapolation is the theme of this of this podcast. But anyway, Tamara Morrison said, Well, we can't say too much, but we're going to see his past and where he's been since the Empire Strikes Back. Somebody pointed out he's been kind of stuck in that in this one place, and now's the time to actually go back in time and check out his journey and find out more about him. Mm. Alright? Well he says where he's been since the Empire Strikes Back. Yep. I can assume he means Return of the Jedi. Uh, because yeah, we, we knew, know... We, we, he was just chilling at Jabba's Chilling palace. at Jabba's Palace, exactly. Or, you know, maybe he went on a... He, maybe well, he, Actually, we do know in canon that... There's only six months between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Maybe he was off doing other things. I think it's weird. Depending on like what counts as like legends and, and, and whatnot, I remember some stories about like Han possibly like escaping and Boba Fett having to like get him again and then, um, and, and then him like being put back into Carbonite or something like that. But like, I think that's no longer canon or anything like that. I know he had to like fight... For, for the Boba, for the for the Han, sorry, for the for the Han Carbon. In fact, I think there's a comic yeah. running well, right now where Kira has recently come back and has like gotten like intercepted Han Carbonite and currently is that right? Him. I think that's a comic that's like happening right now at time Bet- of between, between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Yes, like set um, almost immediately after Empire. Oh, cool. But um, All right. but that that I doubt they'll bring. That so on Kira's Boba still Fett. kicking around at that time. Yes, right. I think that's recently being confirmed. It would have been funny if Le- you know upon Leia breaking him out, <laughs> you know Kira's also trying to sneak in and do the exact same thing, and they yeah. and there's that that moment where they just go. Who are you? Who are you? And, well, that's happened before. Yeah. There was a and, Star Wars and, and, comic. And, and Han wakes up and sort of just like, yeah, something I may not have told you. <laughs> in, this, in the Star Wars mainline comic series, one of the only Star Wars comics I have actually read a bit of, um, Han meets an ex that like is <laughs> is like comes out of a ship and like helps him and, and Leia and her have that moment of who are you? It's very interesting. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, anyway... In regards to where Boba might have been since Return of the Jedi, obviously we know that he got swallowed up by the Sarlacc. So yes. I think one of the main things that I want to see uh, out of a, out of this show is a daily is sitcom about his life in the Sarlacc pit. That or him actually properly escaping from it. Okay, yeah, that would probably be a better idea. Yeah, uh, you know, because it, uh, I know we because we know that at some point you know he escaped, but mm. at some point he was running around naked because his oh, armor because yeah. because his, his armor ended up with the Jawas. Yeah, they stole it. Well, they they yeah they they liberated it and then sold it. Off yeah, to, but you know uh, what? It also uh, you know sort of yeah. uh, exemplifies how uh, much of. With a grain of salt, you can take the legend stuff at this point because if you were to believe the legend stuff, uh, Han Solo apprehended the slave one that was waiting in Tatooine's orbit mm. and uh, had it destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's not the case because slave one is still kicking around in the Mandalorian. Times. Also, in Legends, um, Boba Fett makes it out of the Sarlacc pit, goes on like a mini adventure, then like gets hit by like the Jar- Jawas or something and falls back in again. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how much you could take that seriously. Uh, yeah, but um, yes, I do really want to see what he's been doing because. Yeah, also depending on what time he got out of the Sarlacc pit, because there's like five well, that's years a... after Revenge of the Return of the Jedi. Five like, years. Yeah, so like either he was in the Sarlacc pit for like five years and then only just got out at the time of the Mandalorian, in which case, yeah. wow, he was in there for five years and still survived. But you know what? Something that I also didn't uh, really 
not that I didn't understand it, but something yeah. that really that got me curious is yeah. uh, the fact that he's dressed in disguise and it has like a gaffy stick and stuff mm. makes you think that he's been living sort of like incognito with the uh, with the with the with the Tuscan Raiders or the Jawas Sorry, or Tuscan Raiders, with the yeah. with the Tatooine native population in yeah. some way, right? I don't think Jawas are native, but yeah. But he has the slave one, mm. so he was able to leave if he wanted to. I. Uh, I think, yeah, maybe you could say, so I think, if it's the idea that he wasn't there for five years, he got out at some point, I personally think he was looking for his armour, and it wasn't until very, like, I, I, I don't think... That's he, true. He I mean, did it's, it. his, it's his dad's yeah. armour, he, he would have exactly. wanted to find it. He didn't find it until Mando did. It's like the exact coincidence, like, finally, I've been searching for five years <laughs> to find this Cobb Vanth who stole my armour, and he and Mando just left with it. Mando takes, Mando spends one day on Tatooine, yeah. finds it, yeah, Boba Fett spends... Five years there and can't find it. I think, like, that's maybe what they were like. Going word for. would have spread that the Marshal of Mos Pelgo wore Mandalorian armor. Yeah, because yeah, Mando heard about it on the other side of the galaxy. Like, literally on <laughs> on uh, on that other planet with uh, with Sid the Sloth yeah. as a, as a Cyclops. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. Yes. So the fact that we're going to see what he's been doing uh, before we see him again in the Mandalorian is uh, very exciting, and the fact that we're going to see Bosk. Is even oh, more yeah, exciting so because he's he's really really cool. Book of Boba Fett is, is quickly becoming one of my more anticipated shows. I mean, it's the next one we're getting. Yeah. But like, yeah, in terms of like, I'm still Obi Wan top number one, and like the other ones seem interesting. But Book of Boba Fett is like a good opportunity to explore more about these characters that we yeah. saw glimpses of in Clone Wars, and we're always part of the Star Wars canon. But like, get a real opportunity for them to be center of attention. Yeah. Can so I also I'm just say that uh, you know I I understand that we're going to see what happened to him between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, but if we got to see some very more some more early days, yes, that's what we wanted stuff, to bring up. Even bringing Daniel Logan That's back into the mix, hundred percent, that would be so fun. He doesn't need to be like doesn't need to be a major percentage of the show. Like Tamir Morrison can play Boba Fett for most of it. But I just, 100%, need, to, I just need to see him back in live action. If we could get at least one flashback of Daniel Logan playing live action uh, Clone Wars era version of Boba Fett, that would be amazing. That was well amazing. because Boba Fett in the Clone Wars not only did a lot, but yeah. he's yeah. also. Look, he's, he's voiced by Daniel Logan. He's a little bit of a brat. He does have some bratty moments. Like, he has, like, basically the equivalent of, dead, like, of, of season one Ahsoka yeah. moments. Like, there's that moment on the train where he's yeah, arguing yeah. with with Asajj Ventress. And there's a moment where he oh, just goes, yeah, you have no idea who you're talking to. I've been in charge of this. And, you know, she gets, he force choked and gets yeah, yeah. given to that fish person on that planet. He does still uh, have some good moments, though. Like, where, where he's, like, um, annoying Rico Hardeen or Obi-Wan on the... He stole a bounty from me. And I want an apology. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. And, uh, you know, Boss sort of sends, uh, steps in to defend him. But uh, mm. there are some pretty memorable moments with uh, Boba yeah. in a Clone Wars era. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the... I, I can't. I, I'm I'm the same ballpark as you. I cannot wait for this show because yes. the the all bets are off as far as what it could show us. Yeah, so, definitely. And I just want to see Daniel Logan back because if you take one look at that kid's Instagram, mm. oh, he uh, loves Boba Fett. He loves Boba Fett. Like every second post, <laughs> it's like, like, hang on, I'll literally go onto it now. He hears it like here's like a basic rumbling about Boba Fett might be back, and just immediately like emails all his contacts at Logan's film. Is like, let me in this film. Or that's the thing. You would imagine. You had to imagine that he would have done that. Oh yeah. I mean, if they don't have him at least a tiny cameo in a flashback or something like that, that would be really disappointing. <laughs> yes! Oh, I saw the funniest thing. That was... Right, sorry, I I, sorry, sorry. I just saw a post from Daniel Logan's Instagram that has him and Omega yeah. as... as uh, Sorry, Boba Fett and Omega as Will Ferrell and John C. Riley's characters in Step Brothers, which is really, really funny. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is an edited photo of of him of Lo, as Logan, uh, sorry, Logan, Daniel Logan, Daniel as, Logan in in as uh, Omega, Venice, but like edited to look like Omega. Um, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yes. So what were we? Oh yes. Um, 
yeah, so hopefully Daniel Logan would come back. Uh, that would be a great opportunity. But otherwise, Bosk, everything, it's going to be, I mean, it's looking like it's going to be a really enjoyable show. So yeah, for sure. Uh, was that the rest of the news or? We... Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there was just like one basic thing where I think Star Wars Acolyte is uh, reportedly starting production in 2022. Yeah, it should not, be fun. Not really a news topic, but uh, yeah, just like We that. don't really have anything about that show, really. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, all we know is it's going to take place before Phantom Menace. I feel like that's probably out of like almost all of the shows we've heard of. That's the one where we know the least about what it could possibly be about. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Hopefully it'll be good. Who um, knows? Hopefully if, if, if more news starts to get released about it, we'll be sure to, uh, yeah. to, to talk about it. Yes. So uh, So right now we're going to go through a little bit of a mid-season review yep. and talk about our favourite parts of the show so far, what we liked, maybe what we didn't like, yeah, uh, what, what we're still hoping to see, yeah. and yeah, our thoughts overall. Mm. Uh, so let's just go all the way back to an... Uh, yeah, let's just go to it like an overall view so yeah. far. Uh, I'm liking it. Yeah, I think it's definitely feels like a Clone Wars series. I like When I first went into it, I felt like... I originally thought it was going to be more like a, a season seven arc, like one whole show, the whole arc, where it's like a continual story with each thing building on the last one. Yeah. And there is elements of that, but it feels a lot more similar to like a regular Clone Wars season in which case you've got like episodes which are just like, they're still in an overall arc, but they're more self-contained in the general story. And like, I, I think those are fun, but yeah. as, a, as a general like plot of the show... Um, like some episodes are doing that more than all, yeah. more, more than more than others. I think they've taken what they spoilers. By the way, if you haven't seen, yes, oh, well, we're gonna I be. Guess we haven't spoiled yet. We're gonna like, be spoiling all nine episodes yeah. of the Mandalorian, of Mandalorian, of the Bad, Bad Batch, Batch so far. I would recommend watching them first. Yeah. Yes. Uh, something that they've clearly seen worked for the Mandalorian is what they is what they're employing in the Bad Batch. This sort of episodic structure. Yeah, uh, that's so, true. It is kind of similar to Mandalorian. Again, anyway. sometimes they're doing it where it continues on. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they're not. And they've done they've sort of done a mix of that so far. I think the the episodic parts of the show happened about midway through. And now that yes. we're up, and now that uh, we're like halfway through the yeah, main like, between episodes seven, eight, and nine, there's been a pretty continuous flowing story. I uh, think. In my opinion, the ones which are the continual story are definitely the most interesting. I think not so too. I, not that I've disliked the episodic ones. I think they've got more interesting parts to them. But like, I think like the characters are good enough on their own to be able to like hold episodic episodes, especially like Omega and and her relationship with the, <clears throat> her relationship with the Bad Batch is is like interesting in that way. Um, and so those like can be fun, but definitely where we get to see the main characters like continue this story that they're clearly telling about Omega and all yeah. that, that's where it's most interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if we were to just go back to the first episode, let's go through like bullet points of yeah, the one sure. of, of what we liked the most, and uh, you know maybe things that we didn't as well uh, in each episode. So if we're going all the way back to the to the to the first, yeah. I loved how at the very start we are still uh, in episode three territory, exactly. that and as soon and as soon as uh, Tom Kane, the awesome Tom Kane. Yes. Uh, narrates, oh. uh, starts the uh, narration for the first episode and yeah. you say we find Jedi Master Deba Palaba on blah 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 right as soon as he said that I'm like oh shit we're gonna see Kanan yeah. and we or, or in this case Caleb Doom and we Which, did I, I also went back cause so yeah I think we, it's been a while since we talked uh, this came out so we have talked about this a number of times but I went have gone back and watched season 7 since then and we actually did see Caleb Doom very briefly in a yes. uh, holo, holocron holo, Hologram. He's in the uh, in, he's in the like the the, the narration part of the uh, first episode of the last arc. Yeah, and so old we, friends not forgotten. Yeah, which is fun seeing him then. But this like he actually appeared, and for that episode, if you kind of look at the first episode as like three episodes put together, he's one of the main characters of the, that first episode in the in the or the, that first part of the main episode. Yeah, because he because he's in it for a. A, yeah, good, yeah. a good portion of time. He's pretty much the main, like, yeah, exactly. There's the Bad Batch fighting. They, like, talk about, they, like, 
they joke around with him. Uh, it's all about him for like the first 15 minutes. And then there's the whole thing with Order 66. Yes. Where it's pretty much about him and the Bad Batch, which I, th- I really liked how major of a role they gave him. And yes, there is to an extent a certain amount of retcon of his original story. I don't... Um, I yes, because that wasn't originally how it was in the Kanan comic, is it? It's a bit different. I don't think it's too much of an issue. In the original Kanan comic, that is also told from the perspective of Kanan looking back. So if he gets like details so kind of fuzzy, um, that doesn't matter too much. Also, I love that uh, a grown man, Freddie mm. Prince Jr., yeah. is voicing what I believe to be a 14-year-old kid at the oh, time. Because you, so you would expect... Maybe they would change the voice a little bit, yeah. make it sound a little bit more adolescent. Nope, just sounds the exact same. Coming I, out of a, I, I think they modified it a tiny bit. Oh, I don't. Oh, really? Are you, are you it's, sure? It's I, not much. They, they, I didn't, It didn't sound like they had touched it at all. He sounds so. I'm so glad they did it though, because it was hilarious. But... It was really, you know, hearing a grown man yeah. with you know a wife and children voice a character who is supposed to be six years younger than even us. Yeah, uh, was pretty hilarious to me. Oh, I've true. seen YouTube alterations already that have, uh, you know, made the voice a little bit more high pitched already, mm, and it yeah. actually sounds better. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But almost, but I also kind of don't want it to change because it was so. Because I found it, I honestly just found it really funny that this this forty something year old guy is yeah. voicing a fourteen year old. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so that but was anyway, the, the, the part where Order 66 happened, yeah. uh, I've always wanted to... There's something that I've always wanted to uh, uh, see in regarding to Depa Palaba's death because yeah. it is because it is so... Uh, it's very pivotal uh, to his character. It is, because when you uh, watch that moment, where it's, it still sends chills down my spine even you know, mentioning it. But that part in season one of Rebels where the Grand Inquisitor asks, what is the last thing your master said mm. to you before before she died? And he just goes, run. You know, he sort of like whispers it and sort of like whimpers because he's yeah, he still he, he still feels guilt it's towards it. 100%. The fact that we actually got to see that play out was something that I, I honestly didn't think we'd actually ever get to see it, yeah. but we did. And uh, it was something that I didn't expect either. Yeah. So. And one thing about it, I think th- that was really good in terms of this whole like scene in terms of the character for Kanan. I, I also think, though, it was worked in the context of the show. Like, you didn't need to watch Rebels to get anything out of the scene. The scene yes, that's true. The scene also worked to build up as, like, it was. It could have just been any example of Order 66 showing how the Bad Batch are not as, like, they don't have the chips activating for them nearly as much, except for yes. Crosshair. Yes, well, we can get into that now. Exactly. Um, and so, in that sense, it could have been anyone. I'm glad they chose Kanan, because it was meant that we got to see that scene um, which we like, we really wanted to see, but like, it also worked in the context of the Bad Batch, and like, it they didn't dwell on it for too long. It was there for just as long as it needed to be without taking the focus away from the main characters. So, exactly. I like that. Uh, so anyway, getting back to the Bad Batch, uh, you do get to see that they did not react to Order sixty six. Yeah. Uh, so at least not initially. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, until we'll... until Crosshair with the good good soldiers follow order. Dude, that line of good soldiers follow orders is just, is terrifying. It is. It's really, if anyone says it, you're like, oh shit. Mm, I'll wreck it later on, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, let's go back, they they go back to Kamino and stuff and uh, we get to see Tarkin. Yeah. Uh, Tarkin back with his thunderous thighs. Tarkin about Tarkin. (laughs) Yeah, oh, it's the the uniform. No, it's not. No, it's not. Those are his thighs. There are Imperial officers in the original trilogy that wear things like that. All right, fine. Uh, They're his thighs. Uh, So they go back to Kamino and uh, what I love is that they really actually have no idea what the hell's going on Mm. because uh, obviously all the other coins have context because their chips have activated but they see like this obviously, you know, a Jedi yeah. being carried away under this tarp as it sort of uh, so that because the body kind of like drops the lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it can't be Shakti. 
because Shakti it's... dies on Revenge of the, in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, yeah. oh, in, in the Jedi Temple. Funny. It'd be funny if they when just does it, when does she die? It'd be funny if they just killed her again. <laughs> I, I, it's, right, it's a bit of a running joke of how many times Shakti dies. Um, but like, Wikipedia, so Wikipedia says that she died on Coruscant. So that deleted scene where Anakin sneaks into her like chambers and, and stabs I her in the back, so uh, that yeah. is, that is her canon death. Oh. Uh, so I, one thing I did, okay. So, it just, much... so it just begs the question who was on Kamino at the time, which also, I think it's a new Jedi. It, it could have been just, a, I think the lights that we've never seen. It could have been just a random Jedi, but also how unlucky do you have to be? Ugh. To be on Camino at the time of Order sixty six, like there's just like where there where there's no way you're getting out of there. You're yeah. surrounded by clones. You're just you're you're dead. But um yeah. Mm. So and what I love is that well actually you know not that I love it but it's really interesting to see yeah. is uh and it's also kind of heartbreaking after seven seasons of Clone Wars is you know the clones are just devoid of all personality. Oh, yeah. Their individuality their individuality is gone. Pure they white are, armor. They've like gotten rid of all of their. Yes, like, that's true. Because uh, when they have that scene in the mess hall. Yeah. They're just all white armor now. It's yeah, just none of them have their drawings or, or things like that. All back to normal haircuts. Yep. Yeah. Uh, exactly. They completely lost their person. If anything, it's like interesting because as the show goes on, they get more and more personality. So Attack of the Clones, they're pretty much as we see them exactly. I mean, face one armor, but like yep. they've got like really no colors on them except McCody. I is Cody ever? They have they have their color grading yeah, in, the, in that first Battle of Geonosis, but there's no individuality yeah, no, no to No individuality or anything like that. Then as Clone, Clone Wars, Wars, is, Clone Wars along, is completely responsible for we that. We start to get some more as they go. I feel like even in even in Revenge of the Sith, they have more. Um, but that, there's that little scene with Cody when he's yeah. like, come on, when have I ever let you down? There's, there's been some <laughs> stuff. But like, uh, yeah, especially as Clone Wars goes along and especially by the end of like, later seasons, almost every single clone has got their own individual patterns and names and personalities and everything. Yeah. Which is like one of the most interesting parts of the clones and especially the fact that like that's all gone once they like the chips activate and their just personality is just removed. Yeah, especially because, and that's this is another thing, as the uh, episodes of Bad Batch go on we, and we get to see uh, these now no-named, uh, you know, just factory-made clones yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, die... All right. droids, yeah. There was a time where that would have shook us to our core, oh, yeah. but now it doesn't because their individual their individuality is gone. Mm. But also, but it's also because we have to focus on uh, the bad batch. Yeah, there is a little bit of like they are just very willing to just shoot away their brothers and stuff. Yeah, well, but that's like, because I guess Bad Batch weren't ever really. Uh, that's true. They, they, not, they, they, if they, Rex was doing it, it would be like a. That'd that's be a the very thing. If Rex thing was doing it, it wouldn't make sense because he was so against it when he was first fighting his way off the Republic uh, cruiser. Yeah. But because there's always been sort of, sort of a divide between the Bad Batch and the Regs, which yeah. was sort of set up in that Bad yeah, Batch arc, because they they really they've always kind of felt detached from the rest of the army, so they don't really have a sort of brotherly quote. Yeah, I guess uh, Echo would be brotherly the only connection really to them. And he's kind of yeah, exactly. It's, Echo it's like would interesting be interesting about like how much of his humanity, well, or his yeah, clone humanity that he still has a bit point. Yeah, uh, but there's there's a time when I guess they would both have they would all have to accept that uh, they're not really their brothers anymore. They yeah. may they they may they may share their genetic DNA, yeah. but they are they're not themselves anymore. They've been brainwashed by the Empire. Yeah. Uh, and there's a time when they would have had to come to terms with that. They didn't show it in the show. Yeah. But you can just assume that it happened. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. that that might have been something that I would have liked to see a little bit more of is that that their struggle to actually uh, accept the fact that they are actually going to have to start uh, seriously um, taking their taking these coins out for good because they because yeah. they can't stun them forever. No. Uh, One thing I was thinking is I get this is more general than like an, an individual breakdown, but I feel like in terms of the show, I thought we would be seeing more of the clones and whatnot after Empire and the Bad Batch is like 
relation with them, especially with, like, originally we thought Cody would be, like, a major antagonist and things like that. And we saw that in, like, season, in episode, like, one, and a little bit episode two, and then later, there was, like, a couple of later episodes where we begun to see that a little bit. Yep. But, like, a lot of this episode is, a lot of this show is a lot, is more about the actual, like, main characters themselves, just, like, yeah, again, like, going on adventures, or, or at the very least, them trying to survive in this world, as opposed to them actively doing things in this world, or more, the main actual, like, plot of the of the overall season is about, like, Omega and protecting her, as yeah. opposed oh, yes, to the Bad about Batch Omega. himself. Yeah, yeah, we haven't brought up Omega. Uh, one of the best characters so She's far. She's awesome. Uh, well, I was really worried that she was going to be, like, season one of Soko, where not a lot of people <laughs> liked her at first, uh, and then yeah. we'd start to like her slowly after. But she, I think I feel that's like she a, was likable from the start. She was because you know why? It's something that Dave Filoni has become uh, um, accustomed to. Mm. He knows how to make characters likable because he's because he's needed to make them likable over a series of time. Yeah, you know he knows what needs to happen for a new character to be liked. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, going into the show. I guess the more like I was expecting, like, oh, I want to see Rex. I want to see like our characters we're already familiar with. And, yeah, and like see this. But in terms of the new characters we've seen, I guess the Bad Batch isn't technically new, but like they're pretty they're much regu- they're fairly new. They're pretty much new. Yeah, they the new characters have been some of the most interesting parts for me. Like Omega, again, really fun and interesting. The Bad Batch themselves. I feel like we should talk about the actual members themselves, the main characters. Yes, Hunter. Who's your favorite? Oh, okay. It, at the start, it was Hunter. I th- yep. I think it might be Tech. Tech, yeah, it, I flip flop between them. I feel like Tech has a lot of comedic moments because he takes yeah. everything so it's, so bluntly. It's the thing when we first saw the Bad Batch in season seven, Clone Wars, I didn't really get much out of them. I felt like the the episodes were fun. The best thing about them to me was when they rescued Echo. Yes. But the actual um the actual Bad Batch characters themselves kind of felt really stereotypical. Yep. Like you either had like the big strong character, the techie character, the sniper character, the the leader character. Like, they didn't feel like they had any personality. Yeah. But now that we're starting to get a whole show about them, their personality is really starting to shine. Like, yeah. Hunter, as, like, a kind of, like, dad figure, is, like, is, is that, like really taking... Yeah. Well, like, I, I, I've sort of... Uh, yes... You know, the way that they've sort of uh, assigned sort of roles yeah. is that Hunter's the dad. Wrecker's uh, uh, Re- either... Uh, I mean, they're all kind I- of I'd uncles. say in regards to his relationship with Omega, he's either an uncle or, like, a big brother. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, And Tech is... I guess sort of like that guy who just says everything, but I'd say that I'd say that Tech is kind of like the uncle. I guess yeah. Yeah, because there's that moment later on. I think it's in the most recent episode. Oh mm. no, episode eight, uh, when uh, Omega says, "What was the war like?" Mm. And he says, "It was multiple different battles on multiple different planets." <laughs> he speaks very literally, right? Yes. And th- and then Omega says, "I know, but what was it like?" And he just goes. I just told you. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, if you, if you wanted to get like a real properly emotive, re- uh, re- uh, you know, reply, you would speak to Echo or, mm. or, or Hunter. But I love that Tech is really uh, blunt in that way. Yeah. There's there's actually one in, uh, in episode two yep. where they're on Cut the Queen's farm and mm-hmm. uh, Hunter asks, "Can you uh, forge us some chain codes or something?" And Tech says. I only learnt about them. I I, yes. I I I only learnt about them a few seconds ago. So yes. Yeah, that's the thing is. <laughs> I've already seen memes of that yeah, line. It's, it's like, good. do you love the do do you love the new characters yeah. in the Bad Batch? And, and it says, so, I only I only learnt of them a few minutes ago. So yes, yes I do. <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, I feel like yeah. Originally, I I was like, oh, Tech's personality is gonna get old fast. But it's by, not. It's funny. By episode two, especially, I think he's had some of the most like most interesting moments. Especially, I love what yeah, as you were saying, the bits with him and Omega. They have each different dynamics. Like him and Omega have like had the fun like comedic moments. Uh, him and Wrecker, her and her and Wrecker have got some of the best like like uh, heartfelt moments of like they have yeah. fun moments together and like he's really protective of her. And then Hunter, of course, is the one who's like most overprotective of her. And he's the dad. We have. 
I, I feel like the least scenes we've had is with Omega and Echo. Echo's kind of... Echo's the one who's kind of, like, detached from the rest of them. And I understand that. He's had, like, moments with Tech. Like, they, they've been interesting together. Especially how, <laughs> to an extent, he's kind of the droid of the group. Like, Tech's just telling well, him what that, to do. Like, hey, can you attach to that? And he's just like, yeah, I guess. Well, there's that really funny thing where Hunter tries to sell him off as a droid. <laughs> yes, he is uh, dressed so, up as a droid. So that, that they so can good. get into that, it, so they can get into, like, the back of that person's shop. Yeah. But there's that really funny part where he goes, well, you're not selling me for $2,000. i am worth more than $2,000. Yes. It's like, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of really comedic and well-timed yeah. moments in this show. There's another one where uh, Sid is showing them essentially like their bill for her mm, services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's... Wait, this much, this amount of credits for Mantel Mix? Yes. What the hell is Mantel Mix? And, <laughs> it, there's, and there's literally a... a, uh, a Steve, uh, what's it? Ordering like, Mantel Mix. There's, there's like a... What do you call it? Like a jump, like yeah. a jump cut yeah, to... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Wrecker yeah, and Omega, Omega just buying another whole carton. Yeah, it's like it's like it's kind of like Star Wars popcorn. It is, and it's like it, sweet and it's like sweet and sour popcorn. Mm, um, that was good. Now I really want to try some. That's the thing. It's like who I, knows? They're probably gonna like sell that stuff at like Star Wars conventions oh, now. Definitely. <laughs> it's. I didn't expect that. That's what the show would be. But because I've been enjoying the characters and the dynamics so much, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I've actually enjoyed those moments. Um and. Especially like when we get those moments interspersed between the much more dramatic moments and serious moments. I think that's good. But yeah, it's like this show is not what I expected it to be. Like the more I like when I first heard Well about you know it, what that's the thing, I didn't know what to expect yeah. from the show in general. Because it could have literally gone anywhere and the trailers didn't give anything away. Mm. So, you know, because again, this is an era of Star Wars that is completely undiscovered apart yeah. from like the very end part with Rebels and, and Rogue One, right? Yeah, Re- Rebels is like oh, and, and, ten and, years later, Solo comes and, Solo. Bit, and then the end of Revenge of the Sith like brings it up. But like, yeah, aside from that, the amount especially immediately yeah. after Revenge of the Sith so, we've seen is so, very little. So the Star Wars universe was like their oyster in regards to what they could do with the show. Yeah. Uh, and and so far, I, I am liking what they're doing with it and how the... they Something that I am really liking is they are really delving into how the galaxy is changing. Yeah. Uh, that's something that, that really uh, starts to get exemplified in episode, episode two. Episode two is the main on, one that talks about on that. On Salukamai, when they're talking about the how Republic, Republic Queen, credits yeah. are being transitioned into chain codes and yeah. stuff, which they sort of touch on in Mandalorian. So I'm glad to see yeah, that, we're getting, like to, that. that was... we're getting to see where that all started. Yeah, and the idea of like yeah transitioning the Galactic Republic into the Galactic Empire and the ways they do that is really yeah. interesting. Yeah, and Especially the fact that the Kaminoans is really fun. Kaminoans, yeah. yes, and what they're about to say about the uh, constricted, constricted, uh, sorry, uh, the, the conscription of soldiers instead of uh, producing more clones. Yes, I feel like uh, a major part we haven't really touched on crosshair. Is, is crosshair. Yeah, as probably the primary antagonist. You know of the what? Show. It makes a lot of sense why they did this because mm. uh, now that you have in the main team you have Hunter Echo Crosshair Tech uh, uh, sorry who did I say so oh, I said Crosshair accidentally I said Rekka. I said uh, Hunter Echo Tech yeah. Wrecker and Omega, Omega right? Yeah. Omega essentially took Crosshair's place because, yeah in terms of because, five main characters because yeah. if you're having six main characters it might be a little bit too much to juggle yeah. uh, so the idea it was actually I, I think this is probably one of the smartest decisions they made from a writing standpoint making Crosshair the villain mm. and essentially having Omega take his place on the team yeah, yeah. Uh, it's making it so that you're not being uh, you know there's you're not having too many personalities that you, that you need to worry about writing in each episode exactly. but you're not losing any characters yeah so, exactly I feel like because yeah, the most interesting moments are we do when we do get those individual moments between specific characters, like the moments between Echo and Hunter. We haven't really talked about how Echo. They, they have a pretty good yeah, rapport. Like I like uh, he Echo's kind of Hunter's um, no nonsense. Like he's the one who brings him back to reality a lot yeah, of the time, which I like. Exactly. And so he started as a reg, yeah. so they have the, and and though he is an altered clone, hmm. R- Hunter is the one who's 
you know, most, most like yeah, a reg. You know. the least old. And, yeah, and so, I, I, like, each of those dynamics between individual characters, I think, is some of the best interesting moments. And so, yeah, with six main characters, that would have been even harder to do. Um, but also, I think definitely the right choice of, out of anyone to be affected by it and become the antagonist with Hunter, because not that he's, like, the most evil or whatever. Like, there's no... You, it's hard to tell, but he's kind of, like... His personality, I feel like, would be kind of difficult with the other characters in, like, a very... Especially with, like, an Omega-type character. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so I think he works definitely as a as an antagonist. And so we've seen him a little bit taking on the leadership of the new Stormtrooper Initiative or whatever. It yeah, but even game. when he was a member of the Bad Batch in Season yeah. 7, he was always... He, he was already kind of a dick. So, because uh, <laughs> yeah. that moment where they don't... Where he's, like, saying, mm. let's just give up because Echo's not not alive. And there's that moment where yeah. he and Rex have a fight when he's just like, yeah. I don't know why we're going why we're going to all this trouble. He's just a reg and stuff. Mm. So he's not the... He's not the typical personality that you would assign to a protagonist. Exactly. So actually, the idea that they made him the villain in this show, you know, makes more and more sense as the show goes along. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So uh, in regards to new characters and people we got to see back from Clone Wars, yeah. uh, Cutler Quain. Cutler Quain. I yeah. was really excited to see him back because something that I always wondered uh, before we got this show was yeah. what happened to Cutler Quain and, and would he have executed Order 66? Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's clear that basically uh, it would have required sort of like... Um, a nearby, uh, like, commanding clone to, like, exactly. transmit and everything. Exactly. It, it would have required um, sort of audio activation. They yeah. they all needed that transmission from Palpatine to, to activate I it. I think the idea and is And because that... he was so disconnected from that, uh, his, his didn't um, happen. Yeah. Did... Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before. Did Palpatine individually call each clone commander? Or no, I think it's all one call I think that they all that every clone joined onto. I think it's the idea he calls Commander Cody because he says Commander Cody. He mentions his name. Yes. Um, and I think then Commander Cody like sets up and like tells or like gets the Commander Cody execute Order sixty six, and he's like, okay. And it, then, was, like, it was on like a re- <laughs> it was it was on like a reply all thread. Yes, it was. It was yeah, he he, he uh, forwards the email to all the other. Clones. He forwards the email to every other clone. That yeah, makes exactly. all, that makes that makes perfect yeah, so sense. Yes, that makes more sense. And so from then they were all activated because we got to see um in, on Salukamai, uh not Salukamai on Felucia. Felucia, that's the one. Yes. Uh, the uh, were they on Felucia? Was no, that was where Ayla Secura died. Uh, yeah, no, so, so so I meant um with uh with Ke- Ke- Caleb Dune. Oh, that was uh. Oh god, I forget. Whatever, whatever I forget, that I forget planet, the name of the planet, the we, snowy planet that yeah, they were on. That clone, their clone leader, got the message, and yes. so in that sense, it's like, uh, yeah, it would have been forwarded to each of the clone commanders, and so Cutler Quain wouldn't have gotten it like that. But I think for me, uh, Cutler Quain in the Clone Wars had a good episode, but I didn't feel like him as a character was too interesting. Like, like yeah, he was a, he was a clone deserter, and that was kind of interesting. I think. The, the moral aspect of what it meant for clones to want to desert was probably more interesting than his actual character, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the idea is... He, he was there to present an idea. Yeah. He was there to present the fact that, you know, even though they're all the, they're, they're all genetically the same, yes. uh, they are all uh, subject to choice. And also they, the they, idea of, yeah, whether they... What are they fighting for? Like, fighting to die? And whether or, not die. They, whether or not they actually want to, because they yes. do have... Are they, they pro- yeah, are, do they want to go to war or are they programmed to go to because war? Because they do have... Because Cutler Quain is the uh, living embodiment of the fact that they do have complete autonomy to do whatever they want. Yes. Uh, it's just some people, you know, think yeah. one thing more than the others. Exactly. And so he was more of an idea, but when we got him again, I was like, I was excited for him to see him come back because it was an interesting idea. I feel like we got a lot more of his personality in this and he actually felt like an individual clone. Like the idea of he's not a soldier. He doesn't want to be a soldier. He knows how to be a soldier, but like he's, he wants to like just live with his family and get away from the. That was actually something that, I, that was something that I really liked is it's uh, it had to do with developing Hunter's 
character yes. because he is like the father figure for Omega yep. but he's also having to learn how best to do that because mm. after she sort of almost gets uh, attacked by that same alien from Attack of the Clones do you remember the name of the species? Same alien from Attack of the Clones wait which which part? The, uh, when she tries to go get the ball and that uh, creature comes after it. It's the oh, same. It's is it is it is it the the next no the uh, ne- Nexu is it uh, no uh, it might be yeah I think it's the Nexu. All right, whatever. It's There's... the same. It's the same one that attacks Padme in the Geonosian arena. Uh, yeah, Nexu. After she almost you know dies, he gets kind of angry and kind of yells at her, mm. uh, not meaning to be rude, but obviously just not knowing how to respond because you know she's not a soldier. Nexu, uh, Nexu yes, thank you. Uh, but Cutler Quain sort of comes in because he knows how to be a father as well. So I like that. Hunter was sort of subjected to that because uh, uh, he got the Ackley the next, next exactly the Oroku. He, he, yeah, he was he, sort of he was he sort of subjected he was sort of subjected to that dichotomy of <laughs> how should I approach uh, this not as someone yeah, who's, like a discipline yeah. not only as someone who's trying to protect her mm. but also someone who's going to be taking care of her and order as sort of you know yeah. acting as a father to her like so. yeah because Hunter in terms of like le- if you if you if you assign like fatherhood to like leadership or whatever the idea if you can like make a parallel yeah. Uh, Hunter's only real experience of leadership is leading the clones and, and leading them in battle like soldiers and yeah. so if, if a soldier he's never, he's never had to take yeah, care of them if soldier puts themselves in like danger like without like to, like, to the point of near death like his experience would be to like discipline them to like stop them from doing that and so but that's just not how you're supposed to treat a child like that yeah and especially a child who has never left Kamino yeah, which is a really nice oh, cool de- the was, there was a really yeah. nice detail where she because it's always rainy and cloudy on Kamino so mm. there's that moment where she first leaves the ship and she like uh, is get gets caught in the glare of the sun and yeah. then kind of plays what? in the dirt yeah, for a while good. That was good. Like, <laughs> you, what do you call this? dirt yeah uh, you know it's on the surface, something that make, makes it sound like, you know, kind of annoying, but uh, it's, it's, the way she does it is actually honestly really endearing. That's why it just makes me like her more. I, I just thought about an amazing idea. Instead of... If if, were... Look, if it's done wrong, yeah. it's annoying. If it's done right, which it has been, it's yeah. an, it's endearing to her yeah, character. I think she's good. I feel like it would have been a hilarious moment. Instead of if they went to Cutler Queen's place first, if they went to like Tatooine first, they land there on the planet and she's like, picks up some sand. like, what is this? And they're like, it's sand. It's like, wow, I love sand. Or something like that. <laughs> it's so coarse and rough. rough and it gets it's everywhere. irritating. Look at it. It gets everywhere. <laughs> I love it. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. But no. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Cutler Queen has been interesting. I think that episode was also, yeah, it was a really interesting, like, continuation of, like, the idea of, like, yeah, clones and the Empire, how it's starting to transition to the Galactic Empire. Yeah. But kind of from there, it went to what became more of the episodic episodes. Of yeah, like, and those are the ones that I didn't really like as much. Yeah, I uh, don't think they were bad. I think they each had their own moments which were enjoyable, but definitely in terms of my excitement about the show, yeah. it was a little bit less in those I episodes. honestly found myself having it, you know, playing in the background while I was yeah. just doing other stuff around my house. Yeah, I, uh, I, I did pay attention a little bit less on some of those Yeah, ones. because it just wasn't grasping my attention. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the earlier ones and the later ones definitely were, but I'd say like three, four, five. Yeah. Not that they were bad episodes, but again, there was just a little bit of... They, they lacked the... They the, each had interesting moments. They yeah. lacked the urgency that the rest of the episodes had. Yeah, like like four... We, sorry, so three, we got to see um, the Stormtrooper aspects. Uh, sorry, sorry, the... Uh, uh, what's his name? Crosshair. Why do I keep forgetting Crosshair? Crosshair <laughs> um, training the new recruits. That was kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. There's a really dark um, moment oh, in yeah, episode oh, three. Oh, yeah, they were there. Where they essentially have to go do the job that the Bad Batch wouldn't do when mm. Tarkin asked them to, yeah. which is essentially go and assassinate these uh, these uh, oh, uh, Guerrero's refugees. Yeah, exactly. Right? And one of the conscripted clones uh, deny, uh, uh, you know, re- wouldn't do it. Refuses. Yeah. So Crosshair just shoots him. Yeah. And then, uh, and then to avoid the same thing happening to them, they kill these 
innocent people. Exactly. Uh, which is really kind of dark. It and kind of reminded me of uh, Finn in Force Awakens. Honestly, yeah, yeah. it kind of did. Uh, it's basically what would have happened if Finn had been killed in that scene for his reluctance yeah, reluctance to, to do what he was told. Wasn't following orders. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that was an interesting... Good soldiers I, follow orders. Yeah, and so seeing that side of Crosshair and like building him as antagonist I think was good. But the other the other part of the episode was like, it was alright. It was just kind of them getting stuck on a planet and stuff. It kind of felt like the third episode of Mandalorian as well. Or sec- yeah. second episode? There was, there was there, there yeah. was those episodes where they were sort of just doing jobs for yeah, like, Sid, this Trandoshan yeah, that they like, meet. The plot, but like, or kind of the ones that like the plot is at this location and they need to go to the other location, but they need an episode in between, so they just make a story up in between the plot from one spice to the other. Filler, as it's called, not, but that kind of has a negative connotation. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into one of the characters that we did meet in some of those in, in one of these uh, sort of like downtime yeah. episodes, which is Fennec Shand. Yes, uh, she's back uh, again, voiced by Big Nal Wen, and yeah. uh, well, she's, we knew she would be in it because we yes, saw her in the tra- we did. Uh, so we saw her in the trailer. Uh, I'm loving her. She's awesome. Yes, uh, and uh, there's a great chase scene between her and yeah, Hunter. I, I think an episode was fun. Like it didn't. Again, you could maybe say it was filler. <laughs> Remember when we originally thought that that episode, based on the scenery around them, was taking place on Coruscant? Yeah, I swear it was. Boy, were we wrong? <laughs> yeah, it's Pantora, right? It was Pantora. Have we seen Pantora before? No, it's been mentioned. We've we've seen a moon we've been in Pantora. We, we've been to their moon, Auto yeah. Plutonia, which is the home of the uh the oh the Tals. Yeah, the Tals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have seen their moon, but we haven't seen Pantora. Yeah, and uh, the Pantorans are really cool. They're like a they because they're like quite a prominent um, and they have Australian accents. They do. They are yeah. well, uh, New Zealand, I think, actually. Uh, their chairman has an Australian accent. Okay. Or maybe it's just this. Uh, like but uh, Ch- Senator Chuchi has a New Zealand accent. Yeah. So what about uh, Ch- Chairman Papanoida? <laughs> Well, the, the 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 character in Clone Wars who was uh, portrayed by George Lucas in live action, yes. he has an Australian accent. Does he speak? Yeah, because oh, there's speak. a because there's oh, a, not George Lucas. There's that whole episode where uh, he loses his daughters, but he's not yeah. voiced by George Lucas. Ah, oh, that would have been fun. It would have been funny. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, yeah, they're cool. Um, yeah. So we get to see that. We did get planet. to see Pantora, yeah. We, were there Pantorans on the planet? I didn't really see where they were. They, they were like in the stalls and right, stuff. Okay. But otherwise, uh, no, we didn't get to see a whole lot of them. Yeah, so, so kind of more like episodes just with them. Uh, th- again, those were episodes fun to like see the characters um, interact yeah. with each other and like and like learning about Omega, like trying to teach Omega to survive. And especially as she goes, she becomes more part of the team where she gets like a communication gear. She gets a weapon in yeah, the next Yeah, she steals the bow and arrow from a Zygerian. Yeah, oh, when that's what it when, is. When yeah. they are taking down a baby Rancor. Yeah, uh, in who, episode five. Yes, yeah. who uh, is uh, wanted by Bib Fortuna, mm, uh, which, makes, which makes me think, could this Rancor be the same one who eventually <laughs> uh, squares off with Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi? Yeah, um... So maybe uh, it it possibly could be that they were hinting at that. I don't know if it needs to be because it doesn't need to be. It's just like a cool, nice little Easter egg. Technically, I take technically the Rancor has been men- named in canon as both male and a different name. <laughs> of course it has. Um, of course it has. And so maybe, maybe that's Moochie's uh, uh, son, son, or, or, yeah. or, or partner, or or partner, <laughs> or oh, whatever to Moochie. Either way. It could be Moochie. She was eaten. Either way, either Moochie is no longer at Java's palace at the time, or that was Moochie that died. Either way, rip yeah. Moochie, I guess. Yeah, but we also uh, got to see some more Zygerians, which is what they we saw. Fun, yeah. they were, it was fun to see them back because they're a cool species uh, of slavers. They're not cool people. but Interesting. Uh, it, I, I did like to see uh, basically what happens when the she was on the other foot because that is a species that actually benefits from the Empire. Yeah. Uh, which is fun. It was, so it was kind of fun to see their perspective and how uh, the perspective on whether or not the Empire is good mm. changes 
completely on who you talk to because the empire has like you can assume <laughs> that they've sort of reinstalled their slave empire yes. for like slave labor and that kind of thing so the the Zygerians have sort of su- the Zygerians have sort of succeeded in what they were trying to do in that arc in season 4 in my view, the Empire... Sorry, the, the Republic is evil. Anakin quote. Sorry. Yeah, so, and, and, and we do get to... So, again, it's continuing that idea of, like, seeing the uh, perspective of the galaxy's view of the Empire. Yes. Um, very early on. And so that was that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and from there, we get to see uh, Omega start that, to use a bow. And her yeah. training with it, yeah, which, I, which I like to see, because there's that moment where she has to... Where she is, like, really... Where she kind of sucks at it. Mm, yeah. And she slowly gets better. I'm liking this. They're, we are seeing a progression with She's her. She's not great at everything to, from the get-go. She has yeah. to learn how to do these things. Also, I, don't, I don't know who, my, who I might be making a veiled insult to, but yes, actually, she was bad at stuff to begin with and slowly learnt to be better. Wow, okay, you're throwing shade here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like the, the Rancor episode felt a lot like an early Clone Wars episode. Yeah. In well, terms of tone well, I think, the, I think like, episodes 3, 4, and 5 all did because they were episodic yeah. and didn't have a whole lot of plot to them. Yeah. And, like, there were also, like, there was, like, a general... There was, like, just kind of stories that took place in the Star Wars universe with yeah. some characters that... We're on a planet. We've got to do a job yeah. so that this person can do this for us. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and, and that, I don't think it's a criticism, but it's, like, yeah, it's, it, it's like, it's clearly feels like the Clone Wars itself, whereas, like, Rebels felt like its own thing. Haven't seen Resistance, but like they've kind of all been separated. This clearly feels like it's a it's a it's a Clone Wars season eight, pretty much. Um, yeah, well, we knew that going in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so and I like that. But um, yeah, the next episode is that the one with the Martyr sisters? I think so. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we've just we've sort of just done a, a broad spectrum of those episodes yeah, in general. Yeah, I think... uh, if you wanted to talk about like you know the ones that we actually liked towards the end, seven eight, I mean, we liked them a lot. Like, the, the ones that really it's not stood a bad out. One, but yeah, the ones definitely. that really stood out to us, mm. uh, and that's the, that's the, the, the and that's the last three episodes. Yeah. Episode seven is when we get to see Rex, Rex. back, which yep. is just uh, he, to see his face. Uh, yeah, just a, a sight for sore eyes. And what I actually love... Really interesting episode, I think. Really interesting episode because there's that moment where he realises they still have their chips in, the, mm. in their heads and he immediately exactly. says, oh, shit, and he grabs his pistol, he right? He sees them as like a risk, as a danger. He does see them as a risk. But because like any time they were ticking well, time bomb. Because he's seen what it can do to... The best yeah. of them. He saw what happened. He, he saw how it affected Jesse. Yeah. Uh, who was who had been around for a long time and had had. Exactly. He probably considered him one of the strongest clones. So to yeah, see him I mean, taken by it, and even Cody, you know, yeah. he was taken by it. So who? So he has. It's not a. It's not a force of will. If, you can, you can can understand why Rex wouldn't trust a single clone who still has that that in them. And yep. it's not. And it's not because. And he knows it's not. It's not their fault because mm. he told. He because he tells them, I don't want to bury any more of my brothers. Yeah, exactly. You know. So so the episode kind of becomes uh, a this mission to get the the chips out because slowly but surely Wrecker starts to go the way of Crosshair and exactly. he turns on them. And when Wrecker turns on them, it's all more of a risk because he's yeah. like he's like the Hulk of the group. That fight where like Wrecker turns and then like they're all like he pretty much takes out all of them and yeah. like is hunting Omega and he goes after Omega. Oh, that was that was kind of scary like in terms it, of like it was Omega felt real fear I'm surprised because he's got that really like yeah. he's got that really uh, harsh voice when exactly. he's exactly so he's just he's just it, he's yeah. just stomping down these dark hallways going good soldiers follow orders yeah and yeah. so that was that was pretty tense um, I'm, especially how sad it was yeah. making Omega like how scared how, visi- how visibly scared yeah, she was I'm surprised she's not traumatized by that like in terms of relation to Rekka like 
that she's still able to see. Um, like, well, she knew it wasn't him. Yeah, I guess in the end, he's like he apologizes to her, like because he would feel terrible, like because like cause, no longer having control of his yes, body and hunting. Because Rex, confer- yeah. Rex confirms that they do have memory of when it happens. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, we've seen that a little bit before with some of the clones, but the idea of like. You being the clone that shot your Jedi, and exactly. then like once it, it, it's finally like years later when the chip just like deactivated, I think it's like a couple of years later, and like getting those memories that that's one of the Clone Wars. The clone that killed Deppa Balapa, like when the in the Kanan series, we see once he gets his memory back, he he like ends up like helping Kanan escape because yeah. he feels so much guilt for what he did. That, yeah. that, that's why I will, that's why I'm, it's almost a blessing in disguise that uh, we never saw Cody get his chip out mm. because he would have had to come to terms with the fact that he tried to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Uh, which would be which would be kind of sad. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, but I really, really liked that, that is, episode. Yeah, and that, I, episode. I don't know why, but there was something about the way that it ends with Rex just putting his helmet back on and yeah. disappearing into the misty fog or whatever yeah. to do... God knows what on some other area of the galaxy that is just so cool and it makes me so it makes me yeah. it, it's weird to say that you're proud yeah. but you but you've but you've known Rex for so long and you've yeah, been exactly. with him for so long that the fact that he still has this need to that he still has this need to uh to keep fighting and just go out and do yeah, whatever him. he's still fighting years later and, and, and do whatever he can for whatever brothers he might be able to help like he has done for the bad batch yeah and for, uh, and for cut up so no and for uh, Cut the Quain and all those other people. Yep, and for uh, uh, yeah. for Wolf and Gregor eventually. Exactly. So it just makes me so happy for Rex, and just makes me love him. I didn't think I could love Rex more, <laughs> but this episode made me like made me love Rex more. And that now they've all removed their chips. Exactly. So, so now none yeah, of them are at risk. Yeah, because I you, yeah I get two things I want to say is like one leaning into this is like I could see that they were building towards um, a a turn for Wrecker pretty early on. Yeah. Because he's been saying his head's been hurting for, like, yeah, the I liked most how they the paid it, I liked how they paid attention to that being set up. Yeah. And, uh, like, the most in the one with the Martez sisters where I, I He think bangs his head. He, yeah, he bangs his head and begins to say, like, good, good soldiers. Sold. Yeah. He only gets to soldiers and then he yeah. cuts himself off, but that's when you know, oh, exactly. shit, so this he's, chip's he's activating. starting to turn. And so I like how they built that up. And so that was... An, it was They were building up the turn, which is good. But I think with, with Rex... When we first saw the trailers and we saw Rex was in it, I thought, okay, so Rex is going to be a main character. And he was a main character in that episode. But he's in that one episode and then he's gone again. And so at first I'm like, yeah, okay, that's annoying. But I think it worked really well in the sense of he was important for the episode and especially important for the character's arcs. But he's not the main character in the show. He's going to have off his own adventures. We'll probably yes. see him again at some point in some way or another. Uh-huh. And especially with whether he, or not he goes with Gregor. and, and Yeah, I, I, I highly doubt this is the last time we see him. Yeah. I hope maybe next time we meet him he might have even found Wolf and Gregor. Exactly. And so we have those opportunities for that. But um, And so in that sense... I think it really worked. This is appearance, this appearance of his of just this single episode, um, and, and he definitely left a major mark. So you said it was your favorite episode so far, so probably. I mean, yeah. like you know, I, I I love the last three. We can mm. get into episode eight now because yeah. the entirety of episode eight is like one long battle because yeah, uh, it's basically that's it, when the show really ramps up. Yeah, in terms it of basically action. involves uh, Crosshair really tracking them down, and yes. they have this sort of uh, they have uh, this ongoing fight across this. Um, damaged Republic cruiser. Yeah, that was such a good, that was an interesting set piece of like them fighting through this Republic cruiser and having to use it, and especially when they get to the engine part yeah. and like they try and activate the engine on them. Yeah. Like, there was some really There's something so that. poetic about the fact that they're fighting in the graveyard of the Republic yeah. that made it so, yeah, it just makes so much sense and the, mm. the thematic oomph behind that is some, is is just something that I've uh, yeah, yeah. is something that I really appreciate. Oh, yeah, sure. but that moment where they trap 
uh, crosshair in like the engine area yep. and like burn him. Ooh, that was that, kinda, that was pretty yeah. You kind of looked like Dengo in the other. That's way. exactly what I thought. I'm, I'm like for a second I'm they like banded, is this, are they like making a new origin to Dengar pretending like crosshairs Dengar? But then I realized, wait no, we've seen him in Clone Wars. Dengar's already been in the sh- <laughs> Dengar's already been in the show a couple like, of times. Yeah, like all right, say, pretend we didn't get Dengar in Clone Wars. That'd be a weird twister. It's like Dengar is actually crosshair, but just like like damaged and just become like a no. Would you have? liked that um uh if we had if we had if we hadn't seen dengar at all and then it and then you find out in the bad batch that uh this is essentially a dengar origin story like that would be interesting it'd be interesting i'm not uh, sure how much we would like I it i like the version of dengar we got in clone wars and yeah. like i feel like the more the later on he goes the less he becomes like that version but hey bosk who's your girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so that that's fun um but like yeah but that was just a fun moment where he's like and so I guess, I mean, we've only two seen him... Since then, we've only really seen him in the two episodes with bandages, but I guess yeah. as the later show goes along, we're probably going to get like a really scarred version of him or burnt version. Yeah, probably. Which would be interesting. Uh, yeah. and, and I really enjoy what they're doing with Crosshair here. Yeah, because, he, is, uh, he works really well as an antagonist. He has happened since how does. dangerous he is. I know, and it actually kind of makes sense as to why he would be the uh, the odd one out, because mm. he's the one who... Always, he, he was always the one who looked the least like... Uh, yeah, he does. He the normal looks... Cl- he doesn't look anything like the Tamara Morrison version of the clone we're used to. Like Tech, you take off his glasses, he's kind of similar... Hunter looks identical because he's got a mullet and his face is like tattooed. Yeah. Or is tattooed or whatever. Um, Wrecker is like him but just beefed up. On steroids. Yeah, and steroids. And then and Echo is him but like... Echo um, is him but... Emaciated. Bald, yeah. pale and emaciated. Yeah. And, yeah. But, like, and so they look similar but... <laughs> I mean, Crosshair, Crosshair looks nothing Crosshair like any of them. a different dude. I love, I love it like Crosshair. Like they like um got a bit of the wrong DNA and like an, like an intern or someone was there like got his <laughs> DNA and the thing. So they just cloned the wrong person. I know that'd be kind of funny. That'd be funny. Uh, it just does not look anything like him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he, got, he had a, a, a genetic malfunction in the uh, in the cloning that made him just look like a different dude, and for some reason now he's good at aiming. Like, I don't know how that works? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but yes, yeah. now let's get into. Uh, oh yeah, probably my favorite reveal of the show so far. My my favorite moment of watching the show. Yeah. Uh, Hunter is attempting to get Omega the hell out of there yeah. to get back to the ship, and who is waiting for them at the entrance to their ship? None other than the Juros. Bounty Hunter, Cad freaking Bane. Like, Holy shit, this moment was amazing. Come in? I think it's his voice. I think it's his voice. When that moment first happened, I'm like, oh my I was gosh, like, I was like, holy shit, because we haven't yeah. seen him since season four of Clone Wars. Yeah. And it's a, it, we were just talking about this before we actually started recording. It is amazing how much, how loved uh, Cad Bane is. Yeah. When he's only in like maybe eight or nine exactly. episodes of Clone I, Wars. I went back and watched every episode he was in from Clone Wars. It's about eight episodes and like three arcs. And he's got some good moments in them. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, nine episodes, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, in terms of total episodes, he really is only in, like, um, like half a season's worth, like, a bit over one season's worth of episodes. Yeah, well, it's because it, it, it was more the mythos of Cad Bane exactly. that was carried over because he killed Jedi. He exactly. was such an amazing bounty he's hunter. He's one of the most memorable characters in Clone Wars. I think on our very first episode, we both said that Cad Bane was our favorite bounty hunter. Yeah, uh, or at the very least, our favorite... Clone Wars, Wars introduced ba- character. Yeah, exactly. He was yeah up there. I was like definitely one. Of, he was on the list. I cannot say how much I love Cad Bane. He's so uh, good because he's so he's so freaking cool. He's so charismatic as well, especially because he. 
He turns the Juros, which are kind of like a goofy looking species, yeah. into like one of the coolest species. I know. And, and like his hat. Yeah, look, I just love how much yeah. I like it. Uh, yeah. Like, like that, you know, you could say that he's kind of like the stereotypical, like a uh, gunslinger cowboy yeah. kind of, when he calls Omega little lady and yeah, stuff. And well, like, well, like in Ahsoka. So like, long, Jedi. Yeah, like in a, when, he, when he talks to Ahsoka in season four, when he's like, mm. you're lucky we're in a hurry, little lady. We'll have to dance another time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just. got to turn this rodeo for another Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I'm gonna ride my mechanical ball into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So he's got that like vibe about him. Oh, but, but I love it. It's it works and so well. Seth Green's Toto 360 is also back. Hell yeah! Uh, yeah, exactly. Who was also who was always a very uh, kind of cool side character. Exactly. He just weirdly works with Cad Bane's personality of like this goofy little. Even uh, though he's been character. even though he's been destroyed like twice. Yeah, he. Re- I think the idea is that he was blown up and then he repaired him and then he's been destroyed a second time and they repaired him again. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, the fact that essentially they took uh, direct inspiration from the deleted uh, season seven scene with Cad Bane and Boba Fett mm. and sort of reworked it and. Made it into like a shoot down shoot off between Cad Bane and Hunter. Yeah. I think so okay, so well, we talked about this a little bit. We did. Outside, so, for those of you who don't know, yeah. uh, the unfinished season seven episodes of Clone Wars was going to involve another bounty hunter arc that pitched mm. um, that, that sort of pitched Cad Bane and Boba Fett against one another yeah, in, yeah. In, a, in a time where uh, sort of Clone Wars era Boba Fett first got his green armor. Yeah, as armor. Yeah. And the episode ended with a shootout between Cad Bane and Boba Fett, which ended in. Cad Bane either comatose or dead and Boba Fett finally getting the that big indentation he has in his helmet mm, yep. and as far as we knew that was, that was everything little, that we had from Cad Bane we've never seen Cad Bane after that there was, comp- there, was, there was literally nothing in regards to whether or not he was alive or dead until exactly. episode 8 so the fact that mm. he's alive was just oh my god he's back sort of thing yeah. when, I, when he showed up and the thing is with those an- animated but like not finished Clone Wars episodes, they have they are not canon. They're like because they have changed some things after the fact, or remember those stories were turned into books or things like that. But they've generally been considered canon by the writing groups and like the way they've been writing characters after the fact. It was my it, that was my personal head yeah, canon exactly. until episode eight. So pretty much as far as I was, as far as I was concerned, Cad yeah. Bane was dead. Since that was the last time we saw Cad Bane. And it was generally considered to be what happened. I just we just assumed that was the last time we saw him. Yeah. And seeing him here, my immediate thought was, oh, did they get rid of that? But then I later looked back and seen in the in the scenes he has like a metal plate yes. on his head covering like like he's got a cybernetic head kind of um, implant attachment. And he didn't have that before. Exactly. That he never has anything on. Latest, like you see him a lot of times in Clone Wars, where he, even when he takes off his breathing apparatus or his hat or whatever, which he doesn't just, even need. He doesn't need. <laughs> he's just got a like pure Duros head. Whereas this time, when he takes off his hat and everything like that, he has this cybernetic attachment. So I think that scene is canon. And the part where he got shot in the head, he's now had to like he survived and has now had to replace with cybernetic implants to keep him alive. Yeah, and it would make sense why Boba Fett still has that hole exactly, in his head because the dent's that, still there. That fight yeah. did happen. The d- the fight did happen, which I am glad, which I'm, which I'm glad about, it's because t- though yeah. it never properly made it to to mm, screen, exactly. it is a pretty cool fight. It is exactly. even in like the poorly rendered animation version that we do mm. that that is available with on the, YouTube, in which the characters are so terrifying. Yeah, if you want, go watch it on YouTube. It's yeah. actually a cool scene. They had the um, Bad Batch uh, Utapau episodes on there beforehand, and, and there's a number of them. But uh, yeah, that was one of them. Um, interestingly, though, we never did see Boba Fett in Clone Wars with his armor. That is true. Tie it tangent back to when the book of Boba Fett. If we do get a bit with Daniel Logan and a in a back uh, in a back flat. Uh, sorry, what am I? Flashback. Saying? Flashback. What is back, <laughs> a back flash. A back flash. Uh, oh god. Um, 
It would be interesting to see Daniel Logan find the Boba Fett armor and first equip that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But uh, side tangent, side tangent. Yeah, so anyway, the episode ends. And frankly, I'm going to be honest, I thought for a minute that Hunter had been killed. Yeah, yeah, I know, me too. Because he shoots Damn, him. Yeah, they shoot him with the heart he sh- Like, you know, Cad Bane shoots him in the chest plate and he doesn't get up, yeah. at, at least at first. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit, did they just kill Hunter? I would have been bold. Uh, <laughs> they, they didn't. No, but he did what, survive. Uh, yeah. But one of my f- favourite shots from that episode is... It's completely from uh, uh, Hunter's oh, view, yeah, that was from pretty... inside his helmet. It felt so real. It felt like mm. I was. It felt like I was in the middle of a, like a Call of Duty game or something. Because obviously, <laughs> yeah, first all... person perspective, like we're going down, mission failure. We'll get him next time. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Essentially, yeah. until they get back on the ship and they get away from the oncoming cl- from the incoming clones. Yeah, from like, uh, yeah, and we down. we essentially find out that Cad Bane has stolen, uh, has uh, sort of kidnapped Omega, and yeah. that's how the episode ends. Exactly. Which brings us crazy way to end. Like, yeah. That was a really. That was one of the. Probably my favorite episode at that time. It was so unexpected. Really. That ending came out of nowhere. It really was like I felt like that might have even been the halfway shift or something like that, where it was like a it was like a real tone shift for the show, which I really yeah. liked. Because up until that point, I was afraid that the that the episodes were sort of um, yeah, it was like kind of stagnating. Exactly, it was kind of stagnating, which I didn't want. Obviously, I want this show to be great. Mm-hmm. And then that sh- and then that last thing ended. I'm just like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. Hundred uh, so percent. Which brings us to episode final nine. Episode at the point time of recording. Yes, yes. episode nine, uh, which only came out uh, a couple of days. Ago, mm. uh, I another fantastic episode. Uh, it yep. basically follows Probably Omega the entire time, so far, yeah. uh, trying to escape from Cad Bane's uh, hold. And uh, what I love about Omega is that this entire episode, yep. uh, she gets out by herself. Yeah, she's she, completely capable. She's completely. It shows her capability, the fact that she's learning from the Bad Batch, mm. and obviously they 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 intercept her on her way out. Yeah, and they they manage to save her in the end. But yeah, exactly. Uh, but the fact that she first of all used her in, uh, smarts to get out of the cell to quote unquote help Toto360 with his leg mm. and then uses that to sort of escape. <laughs> I mean, she does help him, but then she's like, all right, now that I fixed your leg, go sleepy time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's which, which is also a thing. Like, you know, she she's smart and she wants out, but she's yeah. also not going to lie to him. Yeah, she's helping him out. But which like, I kind of love because yeah, she needs to escape. She's really, really smart. Exactly. That was, a, that was a good moment for Omega. But we also, of, yeah. we also found out why she's so special. Yes. is Because uh, uh, according to Tech, uh, she, is, uh, a fir- she is made from first generation DNA. Mm. One of the few remaining first generation clones out there. Yeah. That being Rex, that being, that being Omega, of course. But we also got clarification that uh, Omega is, you know, Omega is like, you know, yeah. m- meaning last. Yes. But, uh, that, that Boba Fett was Alpha. Alpha yes. was a was a clone named Boba, uh, which is uh, Tech. Exactly. Set. So we also uh, I like got that. confirmation I like that. Like, that Boba Fett was the first clone. Yeah. Well, which he, which he, would make exactly, sense. Exactly, because he was a genetic baseline. Because the other ones are all modified in, in different ways. And so her, him and Omega are a genetic like unaltered clones, which I really like. Yeah. Um, I think well, another thing for me is uh, this episode in general, like in terms of, yeah, with Omega and the Kaminoans was really interesting, especially seeing that not all the Kaminoans yeah. are alike. Like, and with... Torn Wee died. Oh yeah, Torn Wee died. Yeah, exactly. Because she, she was sent to, to do it because the... Uh, who, she, she's been around, she's exactly. been around to attack the clones. Do we know Dad, the... Torn Wee's here <laughs> and now she's dead. That makes me kind of sad. Yeah, that was sad. Do we know the name of the Kaminoan that's like more loyal to Omega or... Oh, Nala Say. That is... Which is which is odd because Nala Say is the bitch responsible for Fives' death. Oh, it is. Uh, that's a, yeah. It's the same Kaminoan, but, at the same, but so it's showing like the, <laughs> the it's showing like the the shades of grey yeah. within the the Kaminoans. Like Lama Su just wants her dead, yeah. right? Nala Say because she was sort of like her assistant. She has like sort of this attachment to her, so she wants her to be safe, mm. and she's sort of um, you know 
taking it upon herself exactly. to to keep her safe I behind think the she scenes. She has an attachment to her, and so that's why, yeah. like, that she hires her own bounty hunter, Fennec Shand, to like stop Cad Bane, which was yeah. interesting because Cad Bane was being hired by yes. the prime well, minister. So. Well, let's get into that. Cad Bane versus Fennec Shand. That's the only thing that's in. Cad I'm... Bane in this episode is probably oh, it's got to be one of my favorite Cad Bane appearances that he's ever had. He's so much fun in this episode. He's, he's so like, he's so cool. He's always he's, yeah. he's he's always thinking on his feet. But I also like the fact that it wasn't one sided. Yeah, you know there were parts where Fennec Shand really got the upper hand. Mm. On him, there are parts where he got the upper hand on Fennec Shand. Yeah, it was it was actually like a it's, pretty legitimate fight where they were going back and forth. I was so scared they were going to kill Cad Bane. Oh, here me too. Because I'm like, okay, we know Cad Bane is not going to kill Fennec Shand because clearly she survives. In which case, there's only two options here: either they both walk out of this alive, or, or Cad, Bane Cad Bane's dying, and we just got him back. And I at don't one, want him dead at, again. At one point, you know, she had him strung up and pushed him off the side yeah. and thank god he has his rocket boots mm. for a second I thought oh. that they'd, for a second I thought they'd killed him exactly uh, go, and I then just, the with like the, the grenade where he like he was like unconscious for a bit like oh he had a he had a tough fight he was fighting for this well, that, bounty that's here. the thing I, I always I, I'm actually starting to like the and this is sort of like attention to detail yep. is that Cad Bane's been around for a while yeah, he's so, he, so he can't you know he probably can't do it to the level he did back when he was like holocron heist Cad Bane. Exactly. It's showing that you know he's kind of uh, he's he's he's, yeah, kind, well, he's kind of like a relic of the Cad Clone Bane's Wars. Cad been and around Fennec, since Fennec Shand has kind of taken his place. Cad Bane's been around for ages because Cad Bane p- appeared in the uh, Darth Maul comic that was set like early on yeah. when Darth Maul was. But like, it, it, you know it just shows you know he Phantom can't era. he can't do this forever. Exactly. So he he's been around at least since Phantom Menace era as a bounty hunter. And we men- and they mentioned that Fennec Shand is like pretty new as a bounty hunter in this episode. Like that yeah. she's like like pretty much new to the. We thought that thing. she was. We thought she was capable in Mandalorian like this is a good yeah. 20 years beforehand yeah, she's you know she's, she's 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 younger she she'd be more you know yeah she's just, she's just better exactly and so in that sense um yeah uh it was really interesting seeing that fight with Cad Bane being like the older like bounty hunter and fighting the newer one so it's like yeah a new experience sorry experience versus like young uh, youth and whatever and so that was really interesting seeing that fight but yeah Cad Bane really held up his own and that was like some epic scenes with like the the flamethrower scenes and when they were yes. like fighting on their own oh was- but I was also thinking is you know the the build the uh the complex where they were. Yes. We never got a name drop yeah. as to actually where they were, but she said that it was uh, another that she that it was like the facility in Topoca City, mm. and it was it was it was essentially another cloning facility. I, I believe that it was a another Kaminoan owned like outpost or, or something like that. Yeah. Which was like probably in a sector similar to Kamino. Yeah. Um, and was probably owned by them, but like abandoned for some reason because we saw. Well, because it something. Well, look, if Cad- there was a clone, there was a cloned something in a vat that like was dropped on Fennec Shand. But yeah, but we it, didn't really get a good look. It at kind it. of just looked like a generic alien. Yeah, I saw. I saw one of the hot, like terrible YouTube thumbnail. Uh, Snoke. Yeah, yeah, like homed <laughs> in red circle, like arrow pointing. He's like, oh, is this Snoke? No, it's not Snoke. <laughs> I love. God's sake, it's not. Snoke. I'm at the point now where it's Snoke gone. can just. Oh my god, just everyone <laughs> shut up about Snoke. <laughs> I can't stand I'm always a, hearing about oh, Snoke. You're at that point. Okay, so I was at the point where it first happened. I'm like, oh, I want to know everything about Snoke. Then forced. Sorry. Then last year I hit and everything. I'm like, I just want to not hear nothing about Snoke again. I've gone full circle. I want more Snoke theories i want the most absurd snoke theories we have and snoke and everything <laughs> about snoke can go to hell yes so that was that was because because if we talk about snoke it pertains Ugh. to rise of skywalker and i don't want to talk don't about rise of you skywalker. dare mention that name <laughs> it's like thor in endgame when he's like don't yeah. say that name 
Yeah, we don't really say that name in here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so in that sense, uh, yeah, so I think, I think it was like a Kaminoan facility. And so that was cool. Like, you got to see, like, the, the sign of architectural style that we know from Camino, but, like, in, like, an old rundown version. Also, can I just like say... This, one in the sky was, like, unlike yeah. as opposed to ocean. It's, it's, like, a very small detail, but yeah. uh, someone who loves design and drawing and that oh, kind yeah. of thing like I do, it, was, it stuck out to me in the best of ways. There's a, there's a long shot. Mm. There's a really wide shot of that facility from, like, a... a, a a fair amount of distance yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's such it's a it's like a matte painting. Oh yeah. It was beautiful. I mm. I could have it as my screensaver. Like honestly, Definitely. the the guy the person who gets to do the illustrative art for these shows, yeah. I, that is my dream job. Your dream is to be like a concept art or matte painter. Yes, artist like to, to be to be to do what Doug Chang uh, Doug uh, or like a Ralph McQuarrie or whatever. A, to be the Ralph McQuarrie yeah. or something. That's that just, would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that was definitely true. And so I think it kind of looked like it was like the equivalent of what it would be like in the ocean, but like in the sky. So that was... It's like... It's like yeah, if... I really like that. It's like, like seeing if, more areas of the Camino. Because... It's like if Camino and Bespin mm. had, a, had, had, a, had a baby planet. I thought it was Bespin for a second, but no, I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the idea that like... That planets, yes, that they are planets and that they've got the nations there. But more, clearly most of them, if they've got like faster than light travel with hyperspace, they're clearly not going to have one planet that they're on most of the time. Like they're going to have colonies. Like there are a number of, I know that the Neomoidians had a bunch of different colonies and that like uh, Rhodians have like gone into a bunch of different colonies. And of course, uh, pl- uh, what's it called? The... Um, uh, the uh, the Pantorans have a moon which they like have their own colony on, so it makes sense. Yes, autoplutonium. Yeah, and so it makes sense that the Kaminoans have other planets that they have their own facilities on and whatnot, aside from their own home planet. And yeah. so it was interesting seeing that of like Kaminoan style architecture or their own like people like going to a different planet that they have clearly facilities on. And so that was interesting. But like, yeah, I think. But this episode, in terms of like its its pacing, in terms of how high paced it was, and like Omega like barely trying to get out, like. In between, like those two fighting, they are like chasing Omega at the same time. So yeah, he, like all it was like it was. I love fights which aren't or like battles which aren't one v one, where it's like clearly everyone's against each other. Like, yeah, kind of like um, uh, good, bad, and the ugly style, where like yeah. no one's on the same team. They're all going against each it's other. It's like that. It's like the third act of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, two. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love fights like with that the, with the wheel. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, Side tangent to one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so so um, Omega's trying to get away from them. Fennec Shan's trying to stop her from getting away and, and ca- capture her. So's Cad Bane, but Cad Bane and Fennec Shan are fighting. So like when they're next to each other, they have to like go fighting together. But when they're further away, they're going after Omega. Like that was such an interesting set piece, and for her to just barely get away on the escape pod as it's like crashing down, and then to just. Yeah be saved by the bad batch at the last second. Oh, but that moment where she looks up and sees Wrecker was so heartfelt oh, yeah, because yeah. she was just really happy to see them. Um, and that last moment where, that where that, that last moment between her and uh, Hunter mm. when she says, you know, you know, promise you'll never leave me or whatever. Yeah. And he goes, I promise. And then there's that moment where they just sort of jump back into hyperspace and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. It's just, I am, I am loving all of the, um, definitely. I, I am loving this sort of, uh, Family, the, uh, yeah, yeah, the the dad batch, as it's called. <laughs> yeah, this, I love that. This this uh, family feeling that we're getting from the bad batch, which is awesome, and it's, plus it's everything that we're getting uh, in other respects. And I really hope we get to see more of Cad Bane. I, think, I don't, oh, I, it, I don't think he's done. I re- yeah, they wouldn't bring him back for I'm, two episodes and then not have him back. I'm he's happy too cool. for what we've seen of him. So if we never see, if we don't, well, never see him again, that'd be something. But if if he doesn't appear in the show again, I don't think it would be it would be the end of the world because I really like what we did see of him and the fact that we know he's just in this world now for yeah. a potential appearance in like Book of Boba Fett yeah. would be amazing. Can I also just like say I really enjoyed his character design. Yeah. He looked really, really he cool. Especially yeah. because, you, you, you know, 
as a character that we haven't seen in nine years. Mm. Uh, it's, nine, it's, it's, nine years? I think it's nine. I think I saw that on like Instagram or something. I thought the Clone Wars... Because this is set pretty much directly after the Clone Wars. No, I mean like literally the last time he was like, oh, put into an we, episode. Oh, right. We haven't seen him since nine yes. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, because I think it was 2000 and... It uh, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... 2012? Probably. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so a character that we haven't seen in that amount of time, uh, those characters really stick out as far as how far the animation has come. Mm. Because it, it was never bad, but you realise just how much detail in his face, the scars on his yeah, face, exactly. the like indentation of red in he his eyes. Good, yeah. It's just so good. And his voice... It's just, oh, I, I, I cannot tell you how much I love Cad so, Bane as a character. But I, again, yeah, would love to see him further come back. Like, clearly the Kaminoans aren't done with Omega. Yeah. Like, they, they still want that. But I think if these three episodes are a direction of, like, a continuation of the direction that we're going in, I mean, even if we go back to some more, like, not filler, like, filler episodes, but, like, again, every so often we'll get, like, these really fun, like, high-stakes uh, moment, like, episodes and, and, like, bits which are really progressing the plot with, like, Omega, uh, Omega the Kaminoans, and especially when we get Crosshair again. I'm really excited for where the show's going, and as a, as a terms of a mid-season review, which we're doing, yeah. uh, this this show has got me really excited, and I think I'm really enjoying it. In terms, in terms of Star Wars animated series, if you compare... Uh, again, I haven't seen Resistance, but if you compare each of their first seasons... Where they all started. This is by far the best start to an animated show. I absolutely agree. I mean, unless you count it as a Clone Wars, which could, maybe. But in terms of, like, just if you count it as its own show... No, you know what? It's actually a really... Start of a show. I hadn't thought of it like that. It's yeah. a really interesting way of looking at it. And you're absolutely right. As far as um, uh, a Star Wars animation's track record, yeah. it's doing just fine. Yeah, like, um, Rebels and- has got some good moments, but season one is... It's inconsistent. It's... It's it's like got some weaker moments. And season one of Clone Wars, I love Clone Wars. Season one is rough. Like it has some. Hey, look, I love it in its own way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like more, more even not I even love, just decisions. I, I love, yeah, they just I, weren't they just yeah. weren't used to it. Like animations just not there. Like the, I just love the campy <laughs> originality yeah. of the first season. Uh, yeah, and like it, it also and parts of the second. Yeah, and so that that is good. But like yeah, in terms of its like first appearance, I think Bad Batch is doing really well and. I'm really looking forward to where it goes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great way to wrap up the review. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so, um, and I feel the same, you know. Uh, I think the characters are uh, are on point. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there was a little bit of, um, y- you know, they transgressed as far as what we liked for a little bit, but now yep. I think they're really back on track. And if they're going to continue that mode of storytelling, then I'm, I'm really excited for what we're going to see next. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, yeah, that wraps up the review and the show for today, guys. I really that's hope you enjoyed. Um yeah, uh, thank you for uh, waiting for us to return. And uh, yeah, no, it's really, really great to be mm-hmm. back. Uh, we've missed it, and yeah. uh, we're, we're we're happy that um, we now have a chance to to to, to revisit it because we're having a lot sure. of fun. We have a lot of fun recording these every it week. It's 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 a real passion of ours. We love Star Wars, and we love spending time to, to talk about it on a weekend. It's or just whatever. our moment to unleash all of the nerdum that we have trapped inside most of the week. Channel because, in a dark side or, or nerdum. Because, because we have we have friends who like Star Wars and stuff mm. and we talk to them about it, but it's really only in this room that it where all of our... Um, our all, passion. All of our passion now and our, and our true nerdage gets unleashed. Yeah. Uh, Which is a fun hour. Yeah, and I'm glad that you guys uh, apparently enjoy uh, listening yeah. in on it. Uh, so thank you again for listening. Uh, we hope to be doing it again on a regular-ish weekly basis yes. now uh, for as long as we can sustain that but if there will be more gaps just know that uh, as long re- as we both shall live <laughs> yes <laughs> that regardless of how long it, uh, regardless of how long uh, of a break we take we yeah. we, we, <laughs> we will be back yes. um, and if we're not going to be back then you'll always Unless you'll some, obviously like, find out world pandemic happens there's no this show's never going to stop 
<laughs> it will. We will take this podcast to our graves. Uh, yeah, we've yeah. survived an apocalypse, so we'll, we'll keep. Going. We have. We're still going strong. Uh, well, we started in the apocalypse, That's so you true, know. Yeah. Um, we, you were merely adopted it. We were born in it, molded by it. <laughs> uh, what was this? Yeah. Uh, duck, thanks duck, for listening. Yes, thank you for listening, guys. This episode will be going up. Uh, well. Whenever you're listening to it, yeah, uh, yeah. it will be up. Yes, uh, well, uh, ho- hopefully we'll plan to do an episode next week. If not, we'll probably send a message or so. But otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah, that's everything. Um, uh, yeah, we can you, you can listen, you can listen to us on all of those different areas where you normally uh, listen to us on. I believe it's eight different platforms. Yeah, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. All that stuff, yeah. Mm. Uh, and yes, we'll also be available on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can yep. find us there for all the updates and thumbnails in regards to information about the show and when we'll be next uh, Definitely. podcasting and stuff. And uh, that's about it. Michael, anything else to say? Uh, no, thanks everyone for listening. I uh, look forward to more uh, Bad Batch as we come along. But uh, yeah, yes. it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan. I say it every time. but uh, It is a good time to be a Star Wars fan, guys. Stay Star Warsy. We'll see you next time. This has been Telling the Odds.